Hey friends, and welcome to another episode of the Everything is Marketing podcast. My name is Eric Hulkerin, and today we're talking NFTs. If you're confused about what those are and why they matter, we're going to break it all down for you. My friend Kevin Beist is here. He is client relations for the Gray Matter Group. He's also a design strategist, an independent curator and writer in the art world, and just penned an article for Art Forum about NFTs and their impact So he is the perfect person to help break it down today as we get into the Everything is Marketing podcast. Marketers ruin everything. Welcome to the Everything is Marketing podcast. What I don't want to do is to pretend this is show number one. What would the hero of your life's movie do right now? Do that. Do those things. And as I said, my guest this morning, Kevin Beist, uh, you and I have been friends for a long time, but this is the first time that we're talking about something that most people are scratching their heads over. You just wrote a piece about NFT in the art universe for Art Forum, and that's sort of where I want to start this morning. But first, I obviously have to say, good morning. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm I'm awesome, dude. It is awesome to talk to you. You and I have talked uh, you know, in Messenger for the course of COVID, but it's nice to see yeah. your face. It's fun. Yeah, absolutely. It's always good to get on a Zoom, really connect with people. <laughs> I don't know that it's always face. I don't know that it's always good to get on a Zoom, but it is good Just to see love your it. face, my friend. So yeah. you know, we're here. Like I've been, um, I've been yelling on Twitter trying to find somebody who I trust to help me break this down because, uh, you know, NFTs are all the rage. I don't think a fair amount of people understand them. And before you kind of give your synopsis, which was fantastic. My first question is, do you feel like Top Shot confuses this for most people? Because that's what I feel, is that the Top Shot thing makes people think it's just digital baseball cards. Yeah, it might confuse it, but it also might give it some clarity because uh, the, the world of collecting baseball cards is not that different than the world of collecting contemporary art and modern art. Sure, <laughs> actually. yeah, for sure. Um, there's actually a lot of uh, a lot of parallels there in terms of, you know, scarcity uh, auctions, um, uh, you know, the, the weird ways in which certain things gain a bunch of value and other things don't, um, you know, and people try to read the tea leaves about that. Um, and so the, the art market and the collectibles market are actually quite similar in, in those ways. And so, um, yeah, so I, th- I, think top, I think Top Shot is a, is a really interesting element of it. And it's actually by volume, it's the it's the biggest uh, part of this um, this weird NFT world. I mean, the art thing gets a lot of um, uh, you know attention, um, but in terms of, of volume of sales and whatever else the what the NBA is doing, it's actually the biggest piece of it. Which has been fun to be a part. I haven't quite grabbed my my own Top Shot yet, but I've been in a couple of them and just watched you know two hundred thousand people trying to buy you know, these digital, digital tokens, but let's, let's kind of take a step back though, for those who are like, what are you guys talking about? Explain to me, Kevin Beist, what an NFT is. We need to do an explainer. Yes. Um, so it's a, it's an acronym for non-fungible token. And it's basically, it's a form of cryptocurrency. So the most famous cryptocurrency is of course, Bitcoin, which people have probably heard about. Um, and, and, you know, Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies have, appreciated in value in the last couple of months tremendously. There's a bunch of reasons for that. One of them being that Elon Musk and Tesla have invested uh, a lot of their uh, kind of, cor- you know, corporate dollars into um, into Bitcoin, which is sort of uh, reads as a vote of confidence for the entire system. So that market is kind of going crazy. Um, Bitcoin and all uh, um, 
uh, all cryptocurrencies is basically like a totally digital uh, kind of unregulated free market um, and, you know, non-national. It's, it's, not, uh, it's not attached to any one state um, form of money, um, which basically it uses this kind of uh, transparency of this thing called a blockchain. This gets very technical. And sure. I'll try to keep yes. it. I'll try to keep it like, but basically it's like, there's like a, there's a ledger, like a bank ledger um, that's, but that's all digital that, and that ledger of course, just records transactions, right? Who owns what and who traded what with who, but that ledger is distributed among many, many computers uh, and is sort of updated all the time. And the security element of it being distributed is that no one person and no one computer, no one government can edit unilaterally that ledger or they can't hide it or they can't delete it or they can't that kind of thing it's like because if 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 you know one part of the node of that network were like taken out either by a hacker or by a regulator <laughs> either way um it would just sort of like it wouldn't get the whole thing because it's so distributed right so that's the idea with cryptocurrency is that it's sort of like you can you can have this financial exchange that's that's just distributed this distributed ledger um, and people who are into it are super, super into it. And there are good and there are bad things about it, I would say. Um, so the where NFTs come in is that an NFT, so the, the point of this name, non-fungible token, is um, an NFT is like a, a Bitcoin or like a unit of cryptocurrency. But it's the fact that it's non-fungible means that it's unique in a way. If I have one Bitcoin, I could trade it for one Bitcoin and it like, wouldn't matter like which Bitcoin I have, sure. right? Like the, yep. it doesn't matter. And also you can split it, right? I could, I have one Bitcoin, I can give you a 10th of a Bitcoin. doesn't matter. A non-fungible token, if it's traded for something else, well, that's different. It's like a different thing because it's a unique object and it can't be split and subdivided. But other than that, it's the same thing as a, another as a, as a Bitcoin or, or, something else on the on the blockchain. Most of the art uh, trading is happening on Ethereum, which is a different cryptocurrency other than Bitcoin. Um, so that's what a non-fungible token is. So the, the way that this gets to art and collecting, because right now I'm just talking about ones and zeros and yeah. money, yes. right? Not about, not about art. The way it gets to art is what a non-fungible token does is it uh, contains information which points to a digital file that's hosted somewhere else. And this is what's a little bit weird about it. So it's like, like, like you know, Nyan Cat, that like yeah. famous yeah, yeah, yeah. GIF yep. of like the cat, you know, like yes, the, the cat Pop-Tart with the rainbow out of it. Yep. With the rainbow, <laughs> we all know and love it. Um, so that's been around for a long time. There's of course a million copies of that. I could, I could Google it and download a copy of that GIF or GIF uh, right now if I wanted to, right? But the, the guy who originally made it sold it as an NFT and made half a million dollars, which is crazy. And so you might be wondering like, does that mean that it's like copy protected now? Or, or is it like a DRM thing where you can't, it's not, it's not copy protection at all. You can still download your own copy of the, of the Nayan Cat GIF anytime you want and you can make as many copies as you want. What the NFT is, is it's like a certificate of authenticity so that the one person who bought that gets to say, they just get like bragging rights to say, I'm the true owner 
of the neon cat gif and crucially i think the most important thing about it is that they can resell it they can resell it but what's different uh, if we go back to the top shot universe is with these nfts you can also put rights on them so for example you know because you own a lebron james slam dunk top shot you can't yeah. actually broadcast that on television it's part of the nft right? right so there's there's some ways to kind of protect what happens to the piece even though it is right. resellable um yeah and now all of the you know all of what you're saying makes a lot of sense to me even when we talk about Niacat and you know Beeble selling for 69 million dollars at christie's on thursday that stuff makes sense to me as kind of a, a, a virtual land grab in a world of, of as we move closer and closer to ready player one this stuff yeah. makes more and more sense yeah. that you're the one that yeah. owns the original pop tart cat with a rainbow you know um yeah it, it's it's very strange to me though and this is part of what i wrote about in the the art forum um essay that i wrote is that this like the scarcity and the exclusivity is it's kind of conceptual only. I mean, like if I, uh, if, if I own a Monet painting, uh, part of what that means is that I get to choose who sees it, right? Like, you know, when it's in my house, it, like either I'm gonna lend it to a museum or I'm not, I'm gonna invite you to my house to see it or I'm not. And that's a part of like how ownership is understood. Um, also, I physically have it. Right. But there's two things with there's two things with NFTs that are like real weird, and this is maybe just we're in a brave new world, and I'm still acclimating to it. But like, the hosting of the file is typically somewhere else, which I th which I think think of as like a vulnerability, um, because and you, like and you wrote about that vulnerability, and I've I've, I've seen it a couple yeah, times. People I, are like, I, okay, but where's my I thing? Mean, if if you've been yeah, if you've been following digital art for a long time because it, it's been around for a few decades now it's not as long as painting and sculpture but people have been using computers and the internet to make art for as long as the internet has been around and one major problem with that as like a as a medium and as a field of art is link rot right like servers go down uh you know you like maybe you built a super cool tumblr blog and then tumblr gets sold to yahoo and then they screw it up because they change the formatting or you whatever you know like yep maybe you're maybe you're like your digital art was your myspace page and now it's like no one can find it or you know like, and in the in the longevity of art and collectibles when you think about things as like retaining value as um as assets and as uh artifacts of culture those things happen so fast i mean st stuff uh you know, you know, link rot and stuff like that can can happen in five, 10 years easy. And so like the idea that you spend $69 million on a JPEG, like you're making a lot of assumptions, like we like, you know, in 50 years, maybe JPEG won't even be like a recognized um, file Form, format. Yeah, sure. Right? And, like it's, yeah, what, it's like, it's like spending $69 million on an eight track tape. Like, yeah, you've got it, but where are you going to play it? You know, like you're yeah. like the, like the format thing. Whereas, you know, when you think about more traditional, um, you know, object-based stuff, it's like, well, the marble's not going anywhere. You know what I mean? Like that's for it's sure. Different, but right? what, but what's interesting about this, Kevin, is you saw last week, Jack Dorsey sells his first tweet for $2.5 right. million. Again, another piece of the digital landscape that I understand ownership of, right? It's not necessarily something that, you know, you and I would would probably have a glorious conversation about the subjectivity of art, digital or otherwise. You know, Jack Dorsey's yeah. for a tweet is not interesting to me, but clearly was interesting to somebody else. But then you see 
um, you know, bellwether brands when we're talking about digital, like Taco Bell, start selling NFTs that it, four minutes later are selling for fourteen hundred dollars. You know, and and that's <laughs> yeah. where you know, and that's yeah. where your work with gray matter is kind of where I wanted to kind of bridge those two worlds and go, you know, what, what are you guys seeing as far as perhaps marketing applications for NFTs? Yeah. I'm not yet advising clients to, <laughs> well, I, to admit, to right. admit their tacos as <laughs> NFTs. I, I think, I, you know, I, I think that when you, when you look at a brand like that and you can, there's other examples of this sure. with, with Taco Bell in particular, or like what, the way that Oreo or Skittles operate in social media. I think that they, um, it's a, it's, it's just sort of a play to like, you, you get earned media for one thing and you get kind of like this virality out of just sort of jumping on things really quickly. Yep. Um, and it's kind of like a, it's a risky, it's sort of like a, an agile risky brand voice, which, you know, in those, uh, social spaces works, works quite well. So I, I think for them, it's, it's, it's an attention. It's a, it's a way to ride the wave of attention. It's not, it's totally the marketing department. It's not the finance department. They're not like, they're not like, all right, guys, let's hope these NFTs appreciate in value. And then we can reinvest that in, you know, like yes. new, new restaurants or, you know what I mean? Like, that's not what they're, that's not what they're doing. But, but, I, but to get, to get, but to get back to like uh, in, investment, I mean, one of the uh, points I made in that piece is I think that these, these things are, at least as far as in the art market, they're investment vehicles first. And like the art is kind of like stapled onto it. Um, which makes me, as like an art person, a little uncomfortable, because um, it seems like it's a bit. The art thing is like a bit of an afterthought, and it's in. And even the you, you mentioned, and I mentioned it too. This sixty-nine million dollars sale. So there's this artist um, named Beeple who is like Instagram famous, but not famous other than that, and not somebody that the art world proper was really aware of. Uh, he started having success. Uh, selling some of his his artwork as NFTs, um, kind of early on in the movement, starting like late last year, and so Christie's, one of the you know, like a big premier auction house, decided to collaborate with him and do a sale of this piece that was like actually five thousand drawings, all sort of mosaic into one. Together. Yeah, yep. And it's like a result of like thirteen years of this daily practice that he has of making these drawings. Um, you know, so it's it's sort of a monumental work in the in the sense that it can be although it's just a computer file um and it sold and they didn't interesting thing was about that they did not put a reserve or a prediction like they, they didn't put. oh like wow i didn't see that part okay gotcha. there's no there's no estimate and they in the press release they were just like this is totally ungenerated territory and but they were smart not to put an estimate because uh it sold for 69 million which is insane it, it makes people the third highest sale sale price for a living artist wow only people to beat him are um jeff coons and david hockney and jeff coons and david hockney we don't need to get like way into you know uh, art and whatever else but jeff coons and david hockney they're still alive today they're they're in the history books like you can't pick up a history right. book of 20 of 20th right. century art without yes um you know like they would you know, and, and people like Warhol and, and others uh, have higher higher sale prices, but they're dead. So they, they, that's the, you know, the, the thing is like um, being that high when you're living is insane. And of course, he's just this guy Beeple is decades younger. He's my age. He's decades younger than Hockney, who is very old and, and Coons, who's pretty old. It was getting up there, too. Um, so that's <clears throat> so it's crazy. But but I think that 
it says more like that price says more about uh, a couple things. One is it's a vote of confidence in crypto markets, mm-hmm. m- probably more than the artist. And that goes back to my point of like, it's, um, you know, like the, it's a financial, it's a financial instrument first and an art instrument second. That's, you know, I mean, not, not to like, yeah, no, I pop, I, pop the people bubble, but I, <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's, a, it's a tongue twister. Yes. Um, you know, but if you, but if you look at uh, the, the trajectory of the price of Bitcoin over the last six months, it's, you know, it's like, whoop, you know, it's like, a, it's this kind of hockey stick. And so like, um, you know, something like the value of, of kind of a preeminent uh, digital artist is just following that same trajectory. And it has, it, there's more stuff going on there than like, it's not sort of like scales fell from their eyes and the old art collectors realized that digital art is just so cool. You know, it's like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a little more skeptical, you know? And so the other part of your article that I sort of want to end it on is the understanding of the cost. And I don't mean financial, but the cost of yeah. how this stuff. And, and this has been an issue going back five, six, seven years when Bitcoin started and everyone was running server farms in their apartments to try and be a part of this mining community. But can yeah. you... It's only getting worse. Yeah, 100%. Um, even though, you know, companies like Super Rare will continue to put out pieces saying, you're, it's all, you're making it up. It's not as bad as it seems because here's yeah. what we do. But can you talk a little bit about the energy usage to create these things? Because I, yeah. I think that not only it's something that we need to understand because I, I think most people understand digital art, movies, actual digital art, whatever, as this infinite resource of zeros and ones yeah. that costs nothing and we can make thousands of right but that is totally. not what's happening here and it's intangible it's intangible yes. right you if you or you order a video game online you order a, you, you stream a movie and then the mailman did not have to drive a truck to your house to drop off a dvd and so it's it's so you get the sense that this is green the greener thing to do which in some cases it is but with with the nfts and the sort of the crypto art and collectible market they have this uh really serious environmental cost because they use an incredible amount of money. And this was the thing, I, I spent a lot of time trying to figure this out before before I wrote that because like people were saying like, this is actually has this enormous carbon footprint. And I was like, how and why? I did not understand it. Best as I can understand it, it gets very technical, but the way that, well, there's Bitcoin mining, which is kind of a different thing, but there's like, even when transactions happen, on the blockchain so it's like the you know whoever bought a people's huge drawing uh you know they it's transferred to them on the uh on this the blockchain as of yesterday right so so this like the the rewrites and the edits to that uh distributed ledger the way that a lot of these different um blockchains uh handle security is they use this thing called proof of work and so basically it makes it so that um, one computer, when requesting a change to another computer, has to prove that it has done like a tremendous amount of calculations. It's basically just giving it like puzzles and math problems, and the computer has to work through them. And it's like a way of checking that the transactions are not spoofed. Got it. Does that make sense? Yep. So it's it's a security measure, but people who know this world are like, there's different there's different ways of doing those security checks. And not all of them are so energy intensive. Um, so, 
so there's this big question in like the the kind of crypto art world of like you know why are all these platforms choosing this this proof of work protocol which we know is uh, just sucking up tons and tons of energy when there's other things i read somewhere and i can't remember the source of this but that the NEA, um sorry nba top shop uses a different they use what's called proof of stake which is like a different um uh way of doing those security checks and it uses far less energy it's not nothing sure. but I, but but my understanding is that even though that nba top shop market is is you know like bigger than the art trade it's actually greener <laughs> which is wow which is which is a little weird i you know wouldn't necessarily think that the jocks would be better than the, for the planet than the art nerds but but, but i will say it's I will a weird say, century i will say this for top shot just as a quick aside and then i want you to keep going is one of the things that i've loved about that universe is how inclusive they've been once you get in and how controlled they continue to be. So, for example, you know, like I said, I've tried a couple times. I'm not really trying very hard, but I've tried a couple times. And last Saturday, they were doing an eight-hour sale of what they call the basic pack. So, eight hours. If you were in in that eight hour, you got a pack. I don't know mm -hmm. how much energy that takes, right? But prior to that, they literally shut down accounts. You couldn't get a new account because they just didn't want it to be this as you know this like gold rush for this financial yeah. currency when you're not actually understanding what you're doing. And so right. to your point, they feel like surprisingly as you know, a giant corporate entity as the NBA, they feel like they understand this market and what it could be to a level mm -hmm. that maybe others aren't. And I don't yeah. know if that's fair or not, but my, you, I, I played more in top shot than I have in the, the yeah. NFT art world. And it just yeah. feels like they're controlling it as much as it can be controlled. Well, you know, and I don't, I don't want to get way into the politics of this, but, when you're when you're talking about crypto markets, you're talking about this technology that allows like entirely unregulated markets. So if people who lean libertarian might think, well, that's just the best thing ever. But then when you when you hit when you hit stuff like environmental cost, uh, like what economists would call negative externalities, there's no regulatory structure. There's no one there. Yeah, there's no one there. <laughs> there's no it. one there. You're, you're on your own. And so there's like no large hand um, to be like, hey, you can't, you know, uh, dump all that sludge in the river. Hey, you can't just, you know, like um, burn down the planet to authenticate a transaction. There's no one who can say that. Like you've you've circumvented that authority. So the thing that's happening with NBA Top Shot, which I think is interesting, is that what's happening instead, instead of instead of like government stepping in as the responsible party, it's it's corporate responsibility, right? Which I don't love. However. Well, um, I mean, to be fair, I, I don't, but I don't hate it. I don't hate it either. And I, and I think, you know, the NBA has actually been, they've been pretty progressive, you know, like um, in, in thinking about issues around race and things like that. Like, um, you know, in terms of corporate responsibility, I, I think that they're navigating things, you know, whatever, somebody could find a counterexample and roast me on that. But I think that they're, I think that they're like, they're, they're fairly socially conscious, actually, as far as corporations go. And I, I would agree. I just I, the joke I was going to make is, you know, we we have imbued our security to Facebook, LinkedIn and TikTok. And that doesn't seem to be going very well either. So no, to your point, corporations being the moral arbiter isn't that great either. Um, no, no, it's it's not a great trade off, but it's um, better than nothing, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I, I will say what, what, one thing that I don't this hasn't been like. You know, this is sort of the the new crypto market and the traditional stock market. So I haven't seen a lot of people draw these parallels, but I think there's something very similar 
happening right now with um, crypto art and crypto collectibles as what happened with GameStop yep. on the stock market I would agree. A, month, yep. a month ago. Um, I think there's something very, very similar there where there was like, for a long time, the stock market has sort of had this illusion that like, this is about the fundamentals of this company. And, and right, you know, right. like we're looking at these quarterly reports and we're so smart. And really it's more like it's an extremely complicated game where they're building these computers that can play this game faster than anyone else. And, you know, like people are just sort of shut out of it. And I think what happened with GameStop is all these Redditors kind of broke open that myth for everybody. And we're like, kind of like, you know what, like we can, we can beat, um, you know, these, these hedge funds at their own game, if we just stick together and if we sort of reveal that, like, it's all a game and, you know, you can drive the, the price of a stock up the, if you know, it has very little, if not nothing to do with the fundamentals of the company. There's a lot of echoes there with like, like, I think that people are excited to drive up the prices of NFT art because they're excited to drive up the prices of NFT art. They're not driving up the prices because they're excited about the work. Yes. And, yep. I, and I think, and I think that artists, and I don't blame them, but I think that, that artists have been helping drive that in a way that artists do not help drive auction prices in the, in the old art world. Yep. Cause what happens in the old art world is like you sell a painting at a gallery, your gallery open for a thousand dollars and then somebody, and then your career starts taking off. Somebody takes and sells that at auction uh, a year later for a hundred thousand dollars. Artist gets nothing. The artist got a cut, probably fifty percent. Gallery got the other fifty of the original, of the original sale. sale. Yep. They don't get anything on resale. There's no royalties. So what, one of the things that the NFT art market has done is they they've built in these contracts into the NFT. It's usually it's between like maybe five to twenty percent of the the artist gets on every resale. So if these things just balloon and bubble up and keep getting passed around and get resale like crazy, the artist just keeps on making money. So it's a, it's a complete reversal of incentives. Normally artists like in the old art world of last year and before, right. um, artists hated flipping. It was in, in, in collectors, if you, were, if you were flipping, you were like looked down upon. This is, that's totally changing now because you have this thing where like collectors can like flip like crazy and make this case that like, I'm supporting the artists. I'm supporting artists better than anybody. Every time this thing flips, boom, 10%, 10%, 10%. And if it keeps going up, artists just, it keeps making money. So I'll, I'll end this by asking you two questions because we, and we sort of hit on one earlier about the, the intangibility of these pieces, right? This, this Beeple piece sells for 69 million, but you don't physically take ownership of it. Right. Wondering your thoughts with your expertise in the art world is, might you see people start to put up, and I don't, I'm making it up in my head as I'm going along, like some sort of digital frame that would project said art along with that, that token to show that Kevin owns this thing. That's why it's hanging in his house. Yeah, yeah I think we could see that. We probably already are. I mean, you know, digital art previous, like I said, it's been around for a sure. while. Yep. So, so a lot of times, um, like if a museum owns video art or digital art a lot of times it will the work will specify the hardware and so you have you actually and it's like this weird niche problem with museum conservatives where they're like they need a 1989 crt monitor yeah, sure, yes. because yep. they want because they want what, yes. the, the video art from that era to look the way it's supposed to look yep and so that's that's been a part of digital art for a while and so uh, digital artists um, can do that and have been doing that i've also seen some some people doing like a kind of a combination 
of digital art and physical art. So it's like, 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 like one artist I follow named Sterling Crispin, he's doing a cool thing where it's like, he's like doing like a custom fabrication of a, a, a thing that's kind of like a screen. And then like the, you know, it's, you know, it, it, I don't know, I, I'm not describing it very well, but like both the design and the physical object are like a sort of attached to the NFT. So if you, if you're the winner, he fabricates it and Got nails it. it to you. Right. So yep. people are, um, are, are combining that physical and digital world. And I think it's, the whole thing is new and we're going to see a lot of interesting innovation. So it's, you know, there'll be more happening. And that leads me to my last question. And this might be a little bit unfair, but given your, your expertise in the space, I, I want to know your sense of between Dogecoin and Ethereum and Tesla being involved in Elon Musk and NFTs. What's your sense of this cryptocurrency becoming more mainstream? Because right now it's difficult to get into the space, to mm -hmm. trade the coins, to, you know, it's it's not as seamless as, uh, you know, going down the street and buying a comic book, right? To give right. a kind of rote example, it's much yeah. more difficult like that. So you're the the average American can't really jump into the space without some hoops. What are your yeah. thoughts on when this becomes more normalized? I think it's getting there. It's definitely getting there. And I think, um, I mean, I have sort of a good and bad thing to say about it. The good thing is it's going to get a lot easier. Like there's, they're going to, there's a lot of incentives to innovate on like the accessibility and ease of use element of it. And so these platforms are going to get easier and easier to use um, in terms of like, you know, buying, buying in these, these coins and, and, uh, and, and trading that'll get easier. But the bad thing is that the reason it gets easier is that the whole thing is kind of like a pyramid scheme because everybody, everybody who's already bought in, uh, they have this incentive to have more people buy in after them. Yep. And that's true of like the, the coins as well as uh, the NFT thing. And the thing that makes me, you know, like I talked about flipping earlier and how it, it kicks back these royalties to the artists. That's great. I love it when artists are supported, but the whole thing makes me a little bit nervous because of that pyramid scheme element. Cause I think that people are buying these things, maybe partly to support the artists, partly because they like the work, but again, you don't need to buy the work to get access to it. Usually you can yep. look at the image either way. So that, that seems to be like people are mainly buying it with the knowledge that they can sell it. And Got anytime it. Yep. you have people who are like a new sucker's born every day and I'm going to buy this at 10 bucks because I know I can sell it at 20, that logic will run out. Like somebody, somebody will do that. And this happened, this happened two months ago with GameStop where people were like, yeah, I'll buy $300 a share of GameStop because I'll sell it for 400. Look at that graph. And it's like, no, dude, at a certain point, it tanks and you are left holding the bag. I, I, um, have, a, I have a buddy who I often say, if you're coming to me with a financial secret, it's too late, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, totally. So, you know, it's, it, and that's the risk of, of markets and that's nothing new, but um, uh, yeah. But I think that, but I, I think for that reason, it's going to get easier and easier to get involved because the people already involved want more people to get involved because if they do, uh, their investment's going to keep appreciating. <laughs> I believe you have to say to the moon is what you're supposed to say after To that. the moon, yeah, <laughs> rocket, rocket emoji. <laughs> Diamond hands or whatever. All right, my friend. Kevin, as always, it was a pleasure. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll talk again soon. Thanks. And there he goes. Big thanks to Kevin for joining us today, talking about NFTs. If you like what you hear on the Everything is Marketing podcast, make sure you like, share, and review wherever you get your podcast. And until next time, I'm Eric Hulkerin. We'll see you later.